Well, if you know me, you know that I love to cook. I'm planning a special Valentine's meal a little later today for my wife and my kids as well. And you've, if you know me, you've probably followed my cooking pictures on Facebook or Instagram. If not, go ahead and follow me there. I think you'll enjoy them. But I have to confess, while you see a lot of pictures of food that I've made, you don't see everything that I've made. Uh, you only see the ones that, well, that work out. You don't see the recipes that failed. You don't see the stuff that I burned or the stuff I left underdone. That doesn't appear on my feed. You only see the best. And you might notice that you very seldom see eggs on my, on my food pictures. Now, I'm just not that good when it comes to eggs. I don't think I'm patient enough. Now, I can, I can fry an egg. I can hard boil an egg or soft boil an egg. I can poach an egg really well, but... Well, usually when I'm making an omelet, I'll have everything together and it all seems to have come together well and I'm taking my time and then I go to make that flip and the flip flops and everything falls apart and I'm left with the realization of this mess and, and I'm left with the realization that, well, that, that didn't go as I had planned. That's... That's the reality of much of life for us, though, isn't it? That didn't go as we planned. At least when I mess up my omelet, though. <laughs> At least when I mess up my omelet, I'm left with something that's edible, it's usable, it's not pretty, but it, it will work. But how often do those words, that didn't go as I planned, how often does that mean that life has come to a halt for us? A job that you trained for, a job that you've worked hard at, it fails, and that didn't go as you planned. Your health fails, that didn't go as you planned. Marriage fails, and that didn't go as you planned. Sometimes, suddenly, those words, that didn't go as I planned, those words leave you devastated. They, they leave you alone. If nothing else, I think this past year for us has been a lesson in how little we can really plan. COVID didn't just shut down our world, it showed us just how fragile our plans are. Weddings got canceled, celebrations got canceled, other events got canceled, and sadly, funerals, funerals. We've had so many, but we've had to adjust, we've had to do them smaller, and some of them we've had to just postpone and put off this past week, I was going through my memories on Facebook, and I came across a post from just a year ago where a friend of mine and I were joking back and forth, and he had made a comment about how he hoped that, that his death was not going to be too soon. And then just about a month and a half ago, he passed away from COVID-19. All those plans that he had that a year ago seemed so possible and, and so much part of his future. Plans for a, a, a retirement to enjoy, a life to enjoy, enjoying kids and grandkids, even volunteering at his church. Those were the plans that he had, and that didn't go as he planned. We've been making our way through that little letter of James. You find it in the back of your Bible. It's towards the end. James, in his little letter, he confronts a lot of the assumptions that we make about ourselves, and he calls us to bring ourselves and bring those assumptions 
under the lordship of Christ, under our allegiance to Jesus, he's confronted our speech. James talked quite a bit about how we use our speech, how we use our tongues, the things that we say about ourselves, the things that we say about other people, and he called us to let Jesus rule our speech. He's confronted our works also, and he's talked about the things that we do and, well, the things that we leave undone, the things that our faith prompt us to do, and sometimes the things that we don't do, and he's called us to let Jesus rule our works, to let Jesus rule our actions. And here, as we move through chapter 4, James confronts our plans, maybe even our presumptions. Are we living to serve ourselves? Are we living to serve our plans? Or are we allowing Jesus to rule over our plans? We can see the problem in those times when life doesn't go as we had planned, can't we? How do we handle life when our plans fall apart, when our plans fail? Does the unexpected Does the unexpected derail you? What happens when life doesn't go as you had planned? Are you left completely sidelined? Are you left with no clue as to how to move on? There are times when when our plans are derailed and it seems that even our faith becomes derailed because our plans didn't come together. And we wonder, what, what happened? Why, why did God let this happen? Didn't God know about my plans? Didn't He know what I wanted? Doesn't He care? Is He even, is he even there? And you hear that call. You hear that conflict in our own plans when we move into James chapter 4, verses 13 through 17. That very first verse, there's some attitude there. You hear a little bit of attitude in verse 13. Do you hear it? James begins verse 13 with the words, come now. I think we hear a little attitude in that, come now. It's almost like, oh, come now. Oh, come on. Maybe even you hear James saying, come off it. It seems to to set up an argument that confronts our own naive view of the reality of our plans. Oh, come now. You know that's not how life works. James writes, come now, you who say, today or tomorrow, we will go to such and such a town and spend a year there and trade and make a profit. Yet you do not know what tomorrow will bring. What is your life? For you are a mist that appears for a little time and then vanishes. You know, spring is coming. I keep reminding you and me both of that spring is coming. It's just about a month away now, maybe a, a little over a month. Spring is coming and summer will follow. And you know, we will have those mornings in the spring and in the summer when it's a foggy morning, when there is a mist over everything and you can't see. But if you wait just a little while, the sun will come out and it will burn that fog off and everything will be clear. We're used to that in, in those seasons. But now realize that's the climate of the Middle East all the time. It is a dry and arid climate. And on those rare times when, when dew forms, on those rare times when a mist forms, it is burned off very quickly. Knowing that reality, James uses that as an illustration of, 
well, of what our lives are like. They are just a mist. They burn off very, very quickly. So why would we expect our plans to last any longer? And it's not that our plans aren't important to God. I, I hope you don't hear that. It's not that God doesn't care about our plans. But we've learned that, well, He is Lord and we are not that our allegiance is to Him. And if we're going to hold on to faith in those times when our plans have been derailed, we have to hold on to it with the realization that it's not our plans that keep us moving. It's not our plans that direct us, that keep us moving ahead. It is God's purposes for us. There's a wonderful little book that Many of the ladies in our church have been reading over the past year, and it's a book that I think has an awful lot of encouragement, and I think we need to hear it very, very clearly. It's by a lady named Lisa Turkhurst. The name of the book is, It's Not Supposed to Be This Way. In that book, Lisa writes, Sometimes to get your life back, you have to face the death of what you thought your life would look like. That's a reality. We all need to understand. And that's exactly what James is calling us to do here. We have to admit that far too often we've been devoted to our plans rather than devoted to our God. And we need to recognize just how presumptive our plans are. Verse 13, come now, you who say today or tomorrow we will go into such and such a town and spend a year there and trade and make a profit. I want you to consider just how, how in James's day, how that situation spelled out in verse 13, it was to a fairly exclusive audience. He's writing of those who do business from town to town, to community to community. He's writing about merchants, about business people. Now, the, the vast majority of people in that day and in that culture, they were either indentured servants working for a particular person or a family, or they were day laborers. They would get up, they would go down, they would find a job for the day. They would work that job, they would get paid, and they would go home and they would do the whole thing again the next day. It was rare for anyone to travel from town to town, from community to community, let alone spend any time there and do any business in town to town or, or internationally, of course. And so James is addressing a particular group, those whose livelihood depended upon their plans. And we realize, well, that was a rare and small group in his world. That's our everyday reality. That's, that's you and me every day. Every day we find ourselves at the mercy of plans that we've made and that others have made, plans that have to come together just right. Did your package that you ordered from Amazon, did it, did it get on the right UPS truck? Did it make the right stops? Is it going to get to the right place so that it can get to you on time exactly when you need it? Did the right people buy the right things to allow your retirement investments to grow? Or did somebody do something sneaky this week? All it takes is just one wrench in the works and our plans are dismantled and we're left wondering why God why why didn't you honor my plans do, do we not see how presumptive that is 
And that is such a far cry from the prayer that Jesus taught us to pray. Give us this day our daily bread. Give us today enough to provide our needs today. Now hear me, that there's nothing wrong with making plans. Whether it's plans for a vacation, whether it's plans for a future, whether it's plans to provide for yourself or, or your family, whether it's plans to, to grow a business, the, the problem is when our plans become our God's. When we worship a, an uncertain future, do we not see that, that that's not faith in God? That's presumption on our part. Verse 14, yet you, you do not know what tomorrow will bring. What is your life? For you are a mist that appears for a little time and then vanishes. Instead, you ought to say, if the Lord wills, we will live and do this or that. As it is, you boast in your arrogance and all such boasting is evil. James is borrowing a, a phrase from, from the Proverbs, from Proverbs 27, verse 1. Do not boast about tomorrow, for you do not know what tomorrow will bring. James chalks that up to our own arrogance, and that sounds harsh, but he's pointing to the reality of faith. I'm not God. You're not God. Our plans cannot be our God. If we're going to belong to Him, we have to give Him ourselves, and we have to give Him our plans. But you know, He doesn't, he doesn't leave us empty-handed. We give Him our plans, and with them, we give God our disappointments, and He gives us His peace. And we find that there is peace in gaining God's perspective over our plans. The very last verse of this passage sounds harsh. It sounds a little odd, but we need to hear it. Verse 17, So whoever knows the right thing to do and fails to do it, for him, it is sin. Now that warning, that principle is a lot broader than simply the way that James is applying it here. We can apply that, to, that verse to a lot more than just our plans, but I want you to hear what he's saying here. There are a lot of things in our lives, a lot of things in our world and our experiences that don't fit in with our plans. And sometimes we avoid those things. But just because they don't fit in with our plans, that doesn't mean that they aren't blessed, and that doesn't mean that they aren't holy. That doesn't mean that they're not opportunities for faithfulness on our part, faithfulness to God. We've come to understand that, we've come to understand that better this year, in the, in the past year, uh, dealing with COVID-19, dealing with disappointments. A year ago, we, along with every other church in the country and churches around the world, a year ago, we were asking the question, how? How can we do church without meeting together in our building? And we found, we found ways to do that. It wasn't our ideas. It wasn't our choice. It's not the way we would have preferred to do it, but we found ways. And more than that, we've seen the impact We've seen the impact as hundreds of people join us 
online and worship along with us. We've seen the impact as people are responding, people are participating. We have people from all over that are giving towards the ministry of our church because they believe in what we're doing and it's, it's important to them. Every Monday evening at 6.30 p.m. here in the central, central time zone, Every Monday evening at 6, 6.30, I, I do a little short prayer meeting video. We, we do an online prayer time through our Facebook page. We're having more people participate in that online prayer video, that online prayer time, than ever showed up to a live in-person prayer meeting that we have. More people will show up, more people are being blessed, and more prayers are being heard, and more prayers are being answered. None of us. None of us would have planned this. None of us wanted this. But when we trust God's perspective, we know His peace. I think verse 17, with its warning about sin, I think verse 17 is the other side of verse 15, where he says, instead of, instead of trusting your own plans, you ought to say, if the Lord wills, we will live and do this or that. I don't know how many times I've heard I've heard old saints and believers, Christians say those words, if it be thy will. I've heard that in prayers. I've heard that in statements about plans that we make, if it be thy will. And while I appreciate the statements, I hope we realize that there's something more important here than just the verbalizing, just saying those words. It's about an attitude, an attitude of humility before God. And that attitude of humility becomes the fixed position of our hearts. At the center of all of our plans, we find our trust in God. We find His perspective and we find His peace. Trust God's promises over your plans. And none of that is easy. None of that comes without struggle and none of that comes without without a lot of hurt. I think we can go back a little further up in James chapter 4. I think we can go back to James chapter 4, verse 8. Draw near to God, and He will draw near to you. I think we can trust that as we draw near to God, we are drawing near to His purposes. We are not drawing nearer to our plans. And we're gaining perspective from our nearness to Him. That's that's not easy, and we confess that that is not easy. There's a lot of pain in leaving our plans behind. If I could quote again from Lisa Turkhurst's book, she writes, Pain is the sensation that indicates a transformation is needed. There is a weakness where new strength needs to enter in, and we must choose to pursue long-term strength rather than temporary relief. Some of you have faced the devastating deaths of your plans, and you know the reality of that pain. Think about a, a couple from our church, a couple that we dearly loved, and a couple whose impact is still felt in this church and in this community. I think about Dean and Iva Spies. We we grew with Dean and Iva. We enjoyed Dean and Iva. I can't tell you how many times I would hear Iva say to Dean, you have to die first. 
She said, you have to die first because there is no way you're going to make it without me. That wasn't God's plan. That wasn't how things worked out. I remember sitting with Dean in his house the morning after Iva had passed away. And Dean looked at me and he smiled and he said, I made my own oatmeal today. <laughs> it was a little victory for him. And over the next few years, we saw just how much Dean could learn and yet at the same time rely on others, relying on his wonderful family for their care. Sometimes we have to understand that our plans are not God's plans. This past week, our family, my wife and I had to mail off our son Connor's registration for selective service. Connor's an 18-year-old young man, and that's what 18-year-old young men do. They have to register for selective service. But we had to explain of Connor's disabilities, and we had to tell the military that you're, you're not going to want him. 18 years ago, that wasn't my plan. 18 years ago, I was looking forward to seeing my son off to college or military or wherever he would go. That wasn't my plan, but somehow that's okay. To borrow one more time from, from Lisa Turkhurst. Lisa writes, if I want God's promises, I have to trust his process. I have to trust that first comes the dust and then comes the making of something even better with us. God isn't ever going to forsake you, but he will go to great lengths to remake you. I think we get that. I think we get that in the midst of our most devastating losses, that it's not, it's not just the death of our, of our plans. Sadly, sometimes it's the death of our loved ones. When the plan was, they lived happily ever after. And when that plan dies, I think you and I realize that God still doesn't forsake us and we trust his process to remake us. The ones I wonder about, though, are our neighbors and our friends. I wonder about those who are our neighbors. I wonder about those among us who are the least of these. I wonder about the people who, who don't have faith. And I wonder about how they're facing COVID and they're facing cancer and they're facing death and, and difficulties without the promise of a savior without the hope that their faith could provide, without knowing that there is one who has promised an eternity that is greater than any plans we can make. Do you and I see the perspective that we can give them? Do you and I see the promise of perspective that we can give them when they grieve the deaths of their plans? Do we see the hope that we can provide Trust God's promises over your plans. We come to the bread and we come to the cup today. We come with humility that says, this wasn't my plan either. This isn't how I wanted to be saved. This, has, this is nothing that I have earned. This is nothing I deserve. This is nothing that I planned. But we bow to God's promises. And we find here our peace with him, our peace with each other, our peace with our futures, our 
peace with our eternity. And we find the, that very needed peace that we have within ourselves as we realize that even in our pain, even in our grief, even in the loss of, of loved ones and in the loss of our plans, here in His presence, we find peace. Let's pray together. Father, we, we mourn the loss of our plans. We've buried so many plans, plans that we held dearly, and, and in some cases, plans that we held dearly with those that we've lost. And Father, it is difficult for us, and we come to you seeking your grace again and again, trusting your presence and trusting your peace. Today, as we take, today as we take the bread, reminding us of the broken body and the cup, reminding us of the blood shed, I pray that you would remind us all of the extent that you go to, to include us, to make us part of your family, to give us your peace, and so that we can know your presence. And Lord, in those times when we have to lay our plans aside and we have to say those words, if it be your will, I pray that you would remind us that in your will we find you and we find hope and we find your presence, we find your peace. I pray for, I pray for our neighbors and I pray for the least of these. And I pray there's something of that that we can bring to them also, to your glory and for your kingdom. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. Hey, listen to the words of our communion song today. Sing along. I think you'll appreciate these words. I think you'll appreciate the message, especially tying in with this passage today. Thanks for joining us today. God bless. Go in peace.